Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. Uh, my name is Mudiwa Gavaza, and for today, we are going to be talking around, um, you know, aviation and, uh, you know, the travel industry. Um, that is an industry that was, uh, that took quite a huge hit um, during the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, during the course of this year, we've actually spoken, uh, you know, to a couple of travel operators, um, you know, on this specific platform i think we had fly Safari recently as well as the team from emirates you know just giving us some insight into how their businesses are now performing post um the covid19 pandemic both of them indicating the fact that um you know business has rebounded but they're still yet to fully recover um you know from the effects of the covid19 pandemic now for today we're going to be talking um you know to paul Calvi, um, who is a partner and market lead for South Africa over at Oliver Weinman. And he's going to be giving us a, a more broad view of uh, what the sector is looking like, you know, just to give us a sense, um, you know, of, um, you know, some of the opportunities, um, you know, in the aviation industry and maybe some insight into what uh, travel into South Africa and on the continent actually looks like. Paul, greetings to you today. Good morning. Great, great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Oliver Weinman, um, I won't lie. The first time that I saw that name, I thought it. I, I, I thought it. It was a person, and I'm sure that it is a person, but it's the name of the company. So tell us, what does Oliver Weinman do? So we're a global management consulting firm. Um, we're about 40 years old, uh, originally headquartered out of the US, but we're now present across 30 markets um, across the globe, operating out of about 70 offices, and we're roughly 7,000 people. So a global business, um, but deeply committed to building our presence and operations here in South Africa. Um, and as you mentioned, you know that's my role to... Um, help the uh, build out of uh, our office here in Johannesburg. Uh, we're roughly 50 people on the ground here now, uh, working across a broad set of sectors um, here in the market. All right. Um, and from an Oliver Weinman point of view, what's your interest when it comes to aviation? So we have a big global aviation practice. Um, we provide strategic advice to many of the big global um, airlines. Uh, we work across transportation, logistics. And so this is really a, an area of expertise that we as a firm um, operate, operate in. Right. So you heard me um, at the beginning talking about uh, the fact that we have had a couple of the the, the airline operators on the platform in recent months, you know, giving us a sense of their business. Maybe, you know, at this point, it's good to maybe get a, a broad industry view, you know, from the research that you've done and whatever data you have um, just around what the true state, um, you know, of aviation in the region is looking like. Absolutely. So as you said at the outset, um, the COVID pandemic had a significant impact to the global aviation industry. Pretty much all airlines were grounded back in, in 2020. Uh, but we have seen a significant bounce back. Um, if you look at the global stats from our Oliver Wyman plane stats data, we're pretty much back at pre-pandemic levels on a global level. Now, if you contrast that to the South African market, it's actually very different. We've not seen the same level of recovery as we've seen on a global level. 
So the end of 2022, we were only at about 70% of seat capacity compared to where we were at 2019. So there's a lot less flights taking off. There's a lot less people traveling. But also the aviation industry in South Africa looks very different to what it did pre-pandemic. Um, you'll have seen that quite a number of airlines have disappeared from the radar. So the likes of Mango, Kalula, Comair have all disappeared in recent years. We've had Lyft uh, as a new entrance to the market, um, really targeting you know, that interim between kind of low cost and, and premium. Um, and then we've got the likes of Flysafair who are looking to expand and you know, increase their remits, um, both domestically as well as intra-Africa. So as I mentioned, the, the landscape does look very different, still in recovery mode. Um, and I think a long way to go, particularly in South Africa and Africa, to get back to where it, it should be. The names that you've brought up have all been uh, what would be considered to be the budget carriers. Um, and, you know, when you look at places like Europe, the likes of, I think, Ryanair, you know, have done very well. And uh, in a place like South Africa, that seems to be a huge chunk, you know, of the market. I live close to Lanseria Airport in Johannesburg. And every time that I fly out of Lanseria, um, I just contrasted, you know, uh, 2023 to pre, pre-pandemic in 2019. If you went to Lanseria, you'd find Mango, Kulula, and Flies Affair at that airport. There was hardly anything else that was going on at that specific airport. So basically, all the low-cost uh, carriers were, you know, flying out of that airport. Now, it's basically just Flies Affair, <laughs> you know, that's operating out of that airport, showing us, I guess, the dominance of the low-cost, uh, what you call this, the low-cost guys. From your view, the low-cost airlines, is it a play that's more suited for domestic travel or because we've started to see, you know, some of the local guys getting, you know, announcing some of those uh, international flights, flights of air, obviously announcing, I think there's now a flight to Harare, there's now a flight to Zanzibar, you know, all of those things. Does that low cost model work? Because obviously we've got the likes of, um, I'm trying to think. Fly Africa was a low-cost airline, but they, you know, crumbled a few years ago. Um, you know, there's a couple. Of, there's a couple in the region, but for now, I'll just ask: Is it a play? You know, that works more as a better suited for domestic travel, or does it do well? You know, for maybe some of the more regional type of flights. So it's it's both. Um, I think there's opportunities both in the domestic market for the low-cost carriers to increase their, their presence. But I think the opportunity intracontinent is even bigger. And if I contrast you know, the global landscape to where we are in Africa, as you mentioned, if you look at Europe, it's a wash with low-cost carriers. You've got the likes of Ryanair, EasyJet, who you know kind of operate across the European markets. You've also got low-cost carriers in, in many of the European markets as well. Um, similarly, in the US, you know, we've seen the increase in low-cost carriers competing with the national airlines over there. And, and Asia-Pacific as well, you've got a plethora of low-cost carriers. When you compare that to Africa, the story is very different. You know, we, we had a number of low-cost carriers in the South African markets. 
Um, three of those have, you know, kind of disappeared in, in the last couple of years. And so, you know, the landscape is very different. And I believe, you know, a significant opportunity for those low cost carriers to play a more prominent role. I think here in the South African market, you know, you've got Fly Air, which has become a, a dominant player, um, significantly increasing their market share. Uh, they're increasing their routes. Um, so Fly Air, you know, kind of increased between Cape Town and George recently. Um, they're obviously operating on many of the big corridors across the country. Um, but there's very few competitors. You know, you've got Chem Airlines, Lyft to an extent, but, you know, the competitive landscape in South Africa is 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 much lower than what it used to be. But for me, the big opportunity is Pan-African. Um, if you actually look at the stats, there's roughly 177 million seats that take off every year across Africa. That's domestically, intra-Africa, but also international. Less than 10% of those seats are intra-Africa. So it just gives you a sense of how few airlines are operating between our countries on the continent. Mm. And so for me, when you again kind of compare Africa versus Europe or Asia, there's a huge opportunity to just increase the volume and seat capacity flying between some of our biggest markets, be it South Africa and Nigeria, Ghana and Nigeria, Kenya and Ethiopia. There is just very few flights operating across these routes at this point in time. Mm. And for me, the low-cost carriers have a great opportunity to take advantage of those missed opportunities to date. No, they certainly do because when I'm thinking about, I guess in this particular region, I look at the work that a company like FastJet is doing, right? You know, they seem to, and they've been increasing, um, you know, the number of their routes, you know, and they literally specialize in this thing. And they spend as little time as possible on the ground, um, you know, mm -hmm. and they are, they are flying all over the place. I've been to East Africa where I just can't remember the name of the airline. It It's just, you know, escapes my mind for now. But every once in a while, if you have a flight that's booked through Kenyan Airways, um, you know, they have some of the low cost guys that will take you, let's say, from Nairobi to Kilimanjaro to, you know, Dar es Salaam. So you do have the, the, those little corridors. So now my question is about when I look at, I guess, that activity. And then when I look at, you know, some of the work that a company like, you know, FastJet is doing regionally, does do those international flights that intercontinental uh, inter travel, um, especially from a low cost point of view, is that, I guess, for, let's say, countries that are all next to each other, let's say your SADC countries, is that where the opportunities are, you know, to connect those different countries together? Or could we realistically see a low-cost airline literally flying from a Joburg to Lagos? So I believe that there is, you know, absolutely the opportunity for multiple routes to evolve in the, the coming years. There should be no reason why we can't fly, you know, from Johannesburg to Lagos or Johannesburg to Nairobi, you know, through low cost carriers. It obviously takes fundamental changes in terms of what we call open skies, you know, the ability to create landings slots at many airports for governments to reduce the restrictions in terms of airlines that can fly between different nations. 
But again, taking the lessons from many other regions across the globe, that's absolutely the direction that we should be thinking. And I mean, to put this into contrast, right? I mean, you can fly from South Africa to the Middle East or even to Europe for the same price, but it costs to fly from South Africa to Kenya at this point in time. Um, often you can fly, you know, with Emirates or Qatar Airways to different corners of the globe, much more seamlessly on better aircraft compared to what you're going to pay to fly to some of our, you know, biggest countries on the continent. So, um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I think we need more competition. We need more airlines operating and we need many of the enablers to be put in place to, you know, lower taxation, reduce regulatory kind of restrictions. Uh, and that requires governments to, you know, really come to the fore in terms of opening up their skies um, across the continent. You know, I'm not a, I'm not an aviation expert, uh, but I've been on a couple of on a couple of flights in my life, um, and one of the things that um, I bemoan, especially in the low cost space, is the fact that um, domestically we have seen. Um, so many of the airlines, particularly your your Kululas and Mango, falling out of the market because that has resulted in some huge price pressure. Um, you know, when you look at a route like Joba, Cape Town, you know, for example. And I'm just wondering, when I see that activity, now I just wonder, as big as the opportunity is, is there an incentive right now, you know, for guys to actually come and play in the market? Uh, because they probably look at some of these as cautionary tales to say, Ish, you know, is this really a space that I want to play in? Uh, or could we be allocating our capital, you know, to, 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 to another part, um, you know, of the market? Yeah. So if you think back a few years ago, that route, Cape Town, Johannesburg, was one of the busiest around the globe. I think at one point it was in the top 10 routes in terms of number of flights flown in a day, right? Really? Um, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think you know, back to 2019, there was probably 30, 40 flights a day between Cape Town and Johannesburg. So, so huge traffic. You know, clearly, you know, there's been some pullback in terms of travel. So from a business perspective, you know, there's not necessarily the same level of need to hop on a flight backwards and forwards between, you know, Cape Town and Joburg or um, George and Cape Town or, or, or George and Johannesburg like they used to be because people are happy to do meetings virtually. Um, but we're definitely seeing a pickup in tourist traffic um, in recent years. And I think, you know, that's increasing the demand on on many of these routes. Um, and, you know, if I, I give you a personal perspective, you know, I, I fly backwards and forwards between Cape Town and Johannesburg quite regularly. Often I can't find a seat on, on you know, a Monday morning to, to get to Johannesburg anymore, right? And so I do think that there is still unmet demand. Um, and so I do see, you know, the opportunity for the existing airlines to kind of increase the volume of routes or potentially for new airlines to actually enter the market here. And then when you add on the opportunity on the continent in terms of opening up some of these more intra-Africa routes, again, I think there is you know, a viable opportunity for, for airlines in this space. All right. Yeah, it certainly does sound like, you know, as long as a company comes in and has a solid strategy, you know, then, mm -hmm. you know, you possibly do have 
um, you know, a part to play, you know, in the market. But right now, there are a lot of different debates, you know, in the aviation space. And I was keen to, you know, to get your thoughts on some of the things that may, you know, possibly help to entice, you know, more flying. Um, you know, people people worry, you know, these days about, uh, I guess, the size of seats, you know, room, you know, how much room you have around you, leg room. Some people are concerned about, you know, waiting times at pass uh, at airports. You know, others worry about, uh, you know, how much luggage they can take onto a flight and all that. Where can innovation happen for someone who decides, okay, cool, I'm listening to what Paul says and, you know, perhaps I want to get into the market, but, you know, how do I actually get more people to actually come, you know, and say, you know, they want to fly with me? So I think Lyft Airlines is a good example, right? They've been a breath of fresh air for the South African domestic airline market. They've kind of come in between the, you know, kind of low cost carriers and the kind of, you know, national airline fly South Africa or even kind of Comair when it did exist and kind of offering, you know, almost a, a budget price for a slightly more premium travel experience, um, you know, to the point where they have bigger seats, extra leg room, um, quite innovative, forward thinking service. Um, and again, I think they've had a huge focus on thinking about the, the client desires around travel, right? Making things easier, making things simpler. Um, clearly, you know, being on time for all airlines is a, is a, is a, is a, is a must, um, in terms of their success. And so I think, you know, that innovative way of looking at what the client or customer is, demanding in terms of their travels is important, right? Making things easier, making things simpler is really what customers are demanding from airlines. Mm. Has the, have, from the research that you've done, um, right, what what pushes something like that? Is it a consumer demand thing or does that, is that something that's incumbent on an airline to say this is a way that we want to, this is a way that we want to stand out in the market? I think ultimately it's down to the airline and they need to be kind of engaging with the consumers around, you know, what they're looking for in terms of an airline. Um, you can't operate in a in a black box, so to speak. So, you know, that kind of, Customer engagement is critical. I mean, looking at the current aviation market and understanding, you know, the, the pain points that consumers are faced with, um, that's really about building a differentiated business. It's similar to many other industries. Like, how do you stand out? How do you differentiate? And how do you ultimately win market share? Um, and so, you know, consumers want to get from point A to point B, first and foremost. Um, they want to be able to do it on time. Um, and then I think thirdly is, you know, what is that experience that's going to um, pull them from one airline to the next? Um, and again, I think, you know, there's simplicity, you know, ease of cost structures, free baggage, more premium seating. These are the kind of differentiators that can pull um, customers from one airline to the next. Mm. And when it comes to what we where we began today's discussion um i guess that encouragement of uh, the intercontinental you know type of travel right um traditionally you know on the african continent there've been a couple of you know big hubs when it comes to travel um i think 
Johannesburg, South Africa has always been a big one. Cape Town, Nairobi, I think Cairo, and perhaps Abuja slash Lagos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from whatever projections you are able to, to what you call this, whatever projections you're able to make, um, do those hubs remain the same? And do they work to serve a model in which we are trying to, you know, create more travel on the continent? Or do you see opportunity where we can open up, you know, perhaps other little hubs along the way? So I believe that the hubs will remain, you know, a key landing point for the African continent. You know, if you look at what Ethiopian Airlines and Kenyan Airlines have done in recent years, you know, they offer routes from Europe, Asia, kind of connecting through Nairobi or Addis Ababa and, you know, use that as a kind of hub and spoke network into the African continent. It's exactly what you see with, you know, the Middle Eastern airlines, be it Qatar or um, Etihad in Abu Dhabi, Emirates in Dubai. Um, and I think that's, that's really the kind of direction that we'll see. I think where South Africa is kind of losing out is that, you know, we used to have many airlines and kind of routes from all across the globe coming direct into Johannesburg. Um, with South African Airways cutting back many of their international routes, you know, Johannesburg has become less of a hub for intra-Africa travel in recent years. Um, we've still got many of the international airlines, be it British Airways, Lufthansa, Emirates, Qatar, flying into Johannesburg, but we don't have our national carrier providing that same level of connectivity as what we've seen in, you know, Kenya and um, Ethiopia. So I think those hubs will remain. I think you will see ebbs and flows of certain hubs becoming more successful. And that's again going to be driven by, you know, the quality of aircraft, the punctuality of, you know, kind of um, travel. Um, cost is going to be a key driver. Um, and that's really what's going to kind of create, uh, I guess, the success of these hubs going forwards. Mm-hmm. And then equally, it's how easy it is it to connect from those hubs. Um, and it comes back to the conversation we've been having today, which is we need to open up more routes, you know, be it from South Africa, be it from Kenya, be it from Nigeria, that allows people to come into those you know, kind of landing points, but then be able to seamlessly connect to many other countries um, across, across the continent. At this point in time, it's very difficult to be able to do that. Yeah, true. And how much does some of the macroeconomic issues impact what you've, you know, everything that we are talking about right now, because it's nice for us to identify that there's an opportunity. It's nice for us to talk about the different hubs. It's nice for us, uh, you know, to talk about the different ways in which, uh, you know, the low cost or regional carriers could do their thing. But it's quite another if the consumer themselves, whether you give them a lot more legroom or not, if they simply do not have the money in their pocket, uh, you know, to be able to afford, um, you know, some of those tickets. Um, I guess, you know, it's sort of circling back to why low cost is probably, um, you know, a good opportunity right now. So, you know, just some of the macroeconomic considerations, is it interest rates, is it currencies, because all of that, you know, uh, feeds into how airlines, you know, think around their strategies as well. So it's it's a very good point, and I think the macro context absolutely plays a role in the, the aviation industry. You know, you're seeing markets that are growing 
you know, significantly in terms of their GDP and, you know, kind of the, the growth in those markets allows more investment into many industries, including aviation. And you've got, you know, markets, particularly in East Africa, that are growing substantially higher than many other markets across the continent, including here in the South Africa. Um, and so I do think that that's going to play a role, particularly in terms of investment and you know, profitability of, of many um, nations, um, aviation landscape. I think the other dimension to this, as you say, is from a consumer standpoint, um, cost of living is tough in you know many parts of the globe, uh, particularly here in the South African market. And, you know, that um, um, extra capacity to be able to spend on travels, either domestically or even internationally, it's it's typically the first thing that gets cut when, um, you know, the cost of living increases around you. So that's going to play a part. Um, but as you said, I think it does play into the hands of the low cost carriers, because ultimately, you know, if you are able to travel overseas or, you know, in the domestic market, you're most likely to look for the cheapest ticket uh, rather than the most kind of premium um, opportunity to, to travel. So um, I think, you know, increasing the, the volume and capacity in the low cost market is really what's going to drive a lot of the growth. All right. And I think tied to the macro picture, right, because obviously all of that stuff does feed into um, people's actual ability to fly is the policy environment as well. Because if you using the examples that you gave just now of the Middle Eastern countries, they've done quite a bit, you know, to relax certain, you know, visa requirements if you're flying in to one of their hubs you are able to perhaps go into, if you have a long layover, you're perhaps able to, you know, get into the city for a couple of hours before you come back to the airport, all of that stuff. I've actually been stuck at London Heathrow uh, for, you know, about 12 hours and I couldn't get out, for example, but I've been to, you know, other hubs where you can, um, you know, make that trek into, um, you know, into the city. And now you find yourself spending your money in uh, that particular country and the like. And I guess stuff like that, uh, at least to my mind, would, you know, should tie into how attractive a particular airline is. Because when making an international trip, people, especially people that are well-seasoned, you know, often think about, where exactly am I connecting from, right? And where am I going? How good is the airport? How good are the amenities? If I want to leave the, you know, all of that stuff. And that comes and that feeds into policy. If you have a restrictive, you know, visa regime, for example, then you can get as many flights as you want into Johannesburg. But if someone feels stuck at Oatambo Airport for 16 hours and they can't get out and, you know, just explore what Santon has to offer, whatever it is, then perhaps there's, you know, some lost opportunities on that front, you know. Yeah. So just your thoughts on that one before we end off. I think it's a it's a great point. And, you know, the examples of the Middle East is is exactly the kind of model that's, you know, created the appeal to actually fly through many of these destinations because, you know, people will fly into Dubai, you potentially spend a day kind of looking around the city, kind of enjoying everything that Dubai has to offer, and then kind of connect through to their next destination. So we need to be able to create that enabling environment that people actually want to stop over um, if they're connecting through Africa 
it clearly has many benefits for that country. People come in, they spend at restaurants, buy souvenirs, you know, visit kind of attractions. Um, and we really want to encourage that. And we also want to make it easier for people to experience our, our continent. So I think the, the policy, you know, not only in terms of enabling more flights between jurisdictions, but also on the immigration side to allow it easier for travelers to actually connect or even, you know, kind of stop over in, in countries is definitely going to be key. Um, and, you know, I, I just kind of, you know, land this kind of final point. I mean, intra-Africa travel is going to have significant impacts on economic growth. If you think about the aviation industry, it employs a huge number of people, you know, from pilots to air stewards to mechanics to maintenance, etc. It facilitates trade, you know, the ability to move goods and services from one market to the next. Um, it enables tourism, as we've spoken about a lot today. Um, tourism is key, uh, and that creates wealth generation in each market, and it supports, you know, sustainable development. So, you know, the benefits of getting this right to open up our skies and get people moving more is going to really kind of impact, you know, many countries across the continent and that can only be good for the end consumer um but you know the populations in most markets as well no most certainly and i do agree with you you know on that point of view and uh, i know that the economics uh, of 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 road travel are you know somewhat different um you know from the aviation industry but you know if road travel um you know the buses and the trucks uh, or anything to go by, right? Then there is huge movement that is already going on. Um, and if you can help to bring down the cost of air travel, you know, that's going to probably do a lot more, um, you know, to encourage, uh, you know, that uh, intracontinental travel uh, that you're talking about. And it's probably a huge, um, you know, opportunity like, uh, like what you said. I'm waiting for the day. I'm hoping for the day. I'm praying for the day um, where air travel on the African continent becomes, um, on a on a relative scale, uh, it becomes like what we see in many parts of Europe, where uh, your air travel is actually cheaper than rail. You know, because in 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 places like Europe, rail in certain instances, rail is actually more expensive than than air travel. Uh, I'm waiting for that day where someone says, "Ah, you know what? Let me just get on the plane, right? Because that's what you know. Uh, that's the that's the option that's there, um, and it would really be great uh, on that end." Before we let you go, Paul, anything? else that we've missed in today's discussion i think we're good i, I just leave one final point i mean I, I grew up in the uk and you know in my kind of earlier years you know love traveling around europe and you know I, I could go to london heathrow or any of the london airports and pretty much fly to hundreds of destinations right uh, both in terms of premium travel but significantly on the, the low-cost carriers um i long for the day when we can have that same optionality here in south africa that you know, you can go to Cape Town Airport or OR Tambo, and you just have a plethora of options of where you can travel um, internationally, but also, you know, across 10, 20, 30 countries in in Africa. Um, I believe it's possible. It's going to take some change from governments to make skies more open. It's going to, you know, require more competition and the ability to bring down prices. But wouldn't it be amazing if, you know, we could hop on a flight to 
you know, Nairobi several times a day or be able to fly from Cape Town to Rwanda for a weekend. Um, that's really the, the opportunity that, you know, we all believe in and, and hope to come. No, most certainly, and we hope, uh, you know, that day comes sooner rather than later. So that's where we end off, uh, you know, today's discussion. It has really been a great one, uh, just exploring um, the world of aviation, um, you know, in Africa, you know, not only, you know, in the South African market, but, you know, getting some insight into, you know, what's going on, um, you know, on the African continent. We spent quite a bit of time talking about uh, the opportunity that exists um, you know, in the budget sector, and we've seen, you know, how much success um, there has been for that particular sector in places like uh, the US in Europe, uh, Southeast Asia, um, you know, and the like to actually bring down the cost of travel. And uh, well articulated to say that, you know, if you do that, you encourage more uh, travel, you encourage more trade, and uh, all of that is going to help to, you know, increase, you know, the respective GDPs, um, you know, of uh, countries um you know on the african uh, continent if you can make the movements of goods and services easier then you encourage um you know the movement of money as well and then also you know uh you know quite interesting to hear some of the stats um you know around um you know i think that 170 million um the number that you gave at the beginning that was quite eye opening um you know and to say that only 10% of that i believe um you know you said is uh, originating was happening you know on the african continent did i get that correctly yeah so it's it's just about 10 percent of 170 million which is intra-africa travel intra uh, and if you compare that roughly 15 million of 170 million yeah is domestic south africa so it's almost the same size for south africa domestic airline market yeah versus the whole of intra-africa travel market that is crazy see this is why we talk to people like paul to give us these uh, very eye-opening figures uh, and to help us to understand um you know the state of the market and then lastly just also talking about how um some of these uh, you know different some of those airlines um in the low cost segment could help uh, you know connecting countries that are next to each other uh, but um also at the same time you know to connect countries that are a little bit further apart um you know think of for johannesburg to lagos johannesburg nairobi you know if you increase competition you know on a sum of those routes so that's where we end off it has been a great one we're talking to paul calvi uh who is a partner and uh, market lead for south africa over at oliver weinman they are a uh, consulting company and uh, you know huge um expertise when it comes to the area of aviation Paul, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you and have a great day, everyone. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So, for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.